0: Podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35-bag umbrella
1: and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this synomics podcast. Hello, 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 welcome back, episode
2: 135 of the hashtag this Economics Podcast. Make sure you check out last week's podcast Economics Unboxing and I've done a previous podcast on the Conservative Manifesto so for those who want to know what's potentially in store for us for the next four to five years or maybe less if Brexit's botched and Boris might they might have to hold another general election make sure you check that out This week I am joined by three guests I kind of divvied it up due to time constraints and I thought it would be more, more interesting that way. I've got David Bell again, um trader. He voted Conservative, so we, I speak to him about why he voted Conservative, his thoughts on Brexit, his thoughts on the EU, his thoughts on why many other people voted um, for the Conservatives. I also spoke to the lovely Zainab as well as Jenna Davis, both um, young ladies um, involved in the Labour Party one way or another. And we spoke. well, we discussed um, obviously their sadness with the result, um, where the party goes forward, why they feel people voted for Boris, why they feel people don't fuck with Corbyn, what they think the Labour Party didn't do and what they should do, and so on and so forth. So those segments will be coming up fairly quickly, but I'd first like to give a kind of more holistic breakdown of the election quickly for the, for the subscribers then. So the Conservatives win the twenty nineteen general election, a very big, very very big victory. They won three hundred sixty five of the seats, which is fifty six percent of the total seats. They have a very very massive majority. Labour Party with one of their ro- one of their worst results since before the Second World War. They won two hundred and three seats, which is about thirty one percent of parliament the SNP they had a good good show in they picked up 13 seats they got 48 um, 48 seats in total the Liberal Democrats got 11 so that's one less than before the DUP got 8 that's two less than before and then the remaining is 15 so some quick analysis on the results the Conservatives picked up 47 seats Labour lost 59 seats which was which is insane another thing like some Okay, I'll do that my key takeaways. So let's just talk about the election. So when I saw the, what's it called? Exo polls. I can't lie, I was busting up. I was like, this is meant. I can't believe they slapped the shit out of Labour like this. Um, then I was like, rah, we're actually doomed, you know? Like, I don't really have faith in the Conservative government. But I was prepared for a potential twist in the election because obviously the polls were getting closer in terms of um, Labour's, I mean, Conservative lead was shrinking. And also you have the x-factor of first-time voters but the funny thing is this year's votes um weren't as much as last year's i mean 2017 there was slightly less of a turnout so you didn't really get that um record turnout type bump that may have worked in Labour's favor especially if you get loads of first-time voters and stuff like that for um the younger generation they tend to vote conservative at around sorry they tend to vote for Labour at a percent like around 65%. So I don't know, I'm speaking like a donut. So that was an interesting takeaway. Um, so, some analysis of results, and I'll give you my overall takeaway. Um, basically, the Conservatives picked up quite a lot of the northern regions where were previous Labour strongholds. Labour lost votes in leave and remain seats. So, in strong leave seats, Labour lost 10% of the votes. Conservatives gained 6%. In Strong Remain seats, Labour lost 6% of the votes. You see what I'm saying? And Lib- in fact, Lib Dems were the ones who gained quite well, because obviously they were the party that wanted to us to um, stay in the EU. So in Strong Leave and Strong Remain, Labour really, really struggled. And that probably speaks to Corbyn and the party's non-committal on where they really stand regarding Brexit. And going back to the Leave seats... Like if you just look at the total amount of seats I voted Leave, it was 410 out of the 650 and Conservatives won 294. 294 of those seats. They won 72% of the Leave seats. 72%. Whereas Labour got 106 of the, of the Leave seats. 106. So you really, really saw the impact of Brexit. And some people are calling this like essentially like a second referendum. And so the results show, show that. In the Remain seats, of course, Labour won more. There was 240 seats. Labour won 96 of them and Conservatives won 71. But even still, Conservatives made gains in those. Conservative also made gains in the working class area. The 100 constituencies with the most people in like the blue colour occupations... If you see from 2017 to 2019, Labour lost 19 of those seats and Conservatives more than doubled their seats. So in, in 2017, in these um, more working class areas, Labour had 72 seats, Conservatives had 13. In 2019, Labour had 53, Conservatives had 31. Like, so it is. Le- and another key takeaway I got was people, the streets ain't fucking with Corbyn, blood. Like, that's just the God's honest truth. One, Labour got one of the worst slappages in the election for decades upon decades. And it's not like the country are gagging for the Tories, bro. So let's look at the elections, yeah? In 2010, the Conservatives didn't win a majority. They had to do a bad bitch link-up with the fucking Liberal Democrats, fam. So that's when, remember when Nick Clegg switched sides and then all of a sudden tuition fees... um. <laughs> Tuition fees um, triple. 2015, Cameron um, beat um, Ed Miliband and they had a minority of 12 seats. 2017, the streets are saying, yeah, Theresa May's gonna smack up Corbyn, blood, have a massive majority. Fam, she had to link up the DUP and give the man $2 billion or 2 billion pounds just to, like, you know, hey, you, man, we kind of need you to form this government thing. So it's not like the Conservatives have been blowing the doors off in the elections the country isn't even though the country's probably more aligned of that of their way of thinking than a corbyn's more socialist marxist left severely left wing moving like moving like Marnay and rashford that's not the country's way of thinking that's and also the smear campaign we could it's obvious like i saw something on a tweet i'm not sure how accurate it is regarding the number of news searches and you looked at boris and some of the misdemeanors he's had compared to corbyn and corbyn anti-semitism absolutely blows out the water and it's all we see on tv all we see on tv so you've painted um so a man's got reputation of being a friend of terrorists, anti-semitic um wanting to spend loads of money on scroungers that's the reputation that corbyn's got really and truly corbyn's just somebody who cares about everybody you know what I mean? I don't, I don't agree with his mythology. I don't believe in socialism. I don't believe in equality of outcomes. I don't believe in nationalisation of certain um, industries. But I find it very hard to fault his integrity. You see what I'm saying? So that was quite shocking to watch. And if I stayed up all throughout the night to watch like the election coverage and loads and loads of Labour MPs kept on saying, yo, when we're out on these streets knocking on doors, speaking to people, Corbyn's a problem. I saw an opinion poll that the reason why people voted, 43% of it was leadership, 17% was Brexit. So 60% of the reason why people voted was Brexit and and leadership and people weren't effing with Corbyn. And it's kind of scary that people seemingly relate to Boris Johnson more than Corbyn, which is is bizarre to say the least. But we kind of know why. Another takeaway, Labour's strategy did not work. So I read both manifestos. Labour were very heavily on this green um, revolution, and we're gonna do this and that and this and three, this. I think it was almost kind of informational overload to a certain overload to a certain extent. Conservative were like Brexit, everything Brexit. You watch a, you watch a Boris Johnson interview or a Boris Johnson debate, you got arts man yo, Maya Jamal, Georgia Smith, yo Brexit what? It was hammering down this point because they know outside of the London, everybody is concerned about Brexit. Is this tied to immigration and certain attitudes towards foreign people? I believe so. I also believe it's tied to the fact that of the lack of opportunities and the increased competition in this country is a multitude of reasons. But that's one of the things. Whereas Corbyn will, like, if we look at what's been in the news and what's been in the in the what's been a narrative regarding Labour. Firstly, it was the increased tax thing and then people banging on about the taxes. And I think this is a very poor tactic. So we saw a lot of like, it was just really ridiculously stupid stuff from people thinking that they're smart. But let me tell you, you're not smart. You're not smart. Like you can say the shiny suit thing. You can say people who left, left or who got a decent job. No, it's none of that. You lot do not know how tax works and stop trying to, basically insult people and kind of diminish people's arguments to just oh they think they they think because they've got a decent job in a city or wherever or they're professionals and they've got some money that they think they're better no people this is people's industry so they understand taxes common sense so the arguments people are making are if yeah he's increasing tax for the top five percent top five percent isn't that much of a big it's a very wide barometer because you could earn 80 grand and be the top 5% and you could also be a billionaire. Do you see what I'm saying? So, the so people earn 80 grand or 85 or whatnot, is their tax increase that much? Not particularly. And you saw lots of people talking about this and showing graphs like, yeah, they pay an extra £7 a week more. Are you fucking stupid? That is not the same as the rest of the people in that tax bracket. And if you earn, let's say, 100 grand or 120 grand, and then you have to, um, and then you're comparing voting for Labour or voting Conservative, strictly if you, if all you cared about was your income tax, it's probably like a seven to 15 grand swing in taxation money. And that's significant. And it was funny because people are like, oh, why can't these people just, okay, but why can't these people like not go to private school and all that type of stuff? You can make the same argument for people earn less. Okay, don't get a new iPhone or why don't you move outside of London? Like, you can't, You can't do those arguments. It's not fair. Simple. So also, as Labour people, you don't really want to have an increase in tax as one of your key strategies and narratives. Basically, people pay more money than they already have. Doesn't make sense. So that was a big narrative. And then the anti-Semitism was a big narrative, which Labour do play some part because they didn't handle it adequately, but it was a smear campaign and there's literally nothing they could do so that was terrible. Also, strategy for next fucking election. People, so your celebrities, your footballers, your artists, your actors, your um, your journalists with their blue ticks, your podcasters, your YouTubers. All this are oh, vote Labour over a picture. All this, if you don't vote for the... If you vote for the Tory, you should just stand in the third. Cool story. Guess what? You got slapped again in the election. You got fucking slapped again because you persist with this snobbery, this arrogance, this patronisation of people outside of your bubble. And guess what? They make up the majority of the country. And guess what? You got spazzed on the elections. You got spazzed on. And the snobby was a joke. It was a joke. Because the vast majority of these people tweeting the a snobby don't even know a fucking clue about the depths of the policies that Labour want to implement and how they're going to do it, and if it's realistic. So you're no different to the Conservatives, the Conservative voters, that are buying some of the propaganda that Boris is spinning. You're no different. You just think you're a morally better person. Most cases, you're probably not. No fucking cap. No cap, you're probably not. So if you want to your part, the party you support to win another election, you might want to change your strategy. Fucking joking. Did not learn... Did not learn from the Trump election, did not learn from the Brexit referendum in June 2016. And here you are again repeating the same mistakes. Fucking pathetic. Five more years potentially of a dead Tory government because we got a terrible candidate in terms of his likelihood to win. Decent, very, very decent man you can't have a socialist like candidate in the UK this country's not that way inclined that's not the ethos of this country you're going to lose every time this is why he got the worst spinages of all time in the election and you've got good good MPs losing jobs like Dennis Skinner the man's had his seat for how long nah bro, it's nuts so yeah that's the election this intro went on way longer than I anticipated I'm sorry so we're going to have Zainab, we're going to have Jenna, and we're also going to have David Bell. I hope you enjoy. Any questions, you know what to do. Hit me up and please use the hashtag, hashtag Dysonomics. Let's go.
0: Hi, I'm Sam and I listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's live, live,
2: live. Hello, I'm joined today by two lovely ladies. Would you like to introduce yourselves?
0: Hi, my name is Zainab Asanramu. I am, well, I was a former parliamentary researcher, um, currently working at this uh, organisation called Activate and doing some great stuff on, um, with some young people at the Advocacy Academy. Also Labour member and BAME officer for Ereth and Thamesmead constituency. Hi, I'm Jen Davis and I'm also an ex-staffer. Um, and I am
2: uh, the creator and co host of Consensus um, Podcast. Okay, cool. So you, lot, um, you both have affiliations to the Labour Party. So yesterday, no, not yesterday. Well, when people hear this, it was on Thursday, was the general election. Obviously, from both of your perspectives, things didn't go the way in, as intended. So. Firstly, give me your thoughts about what you think happened. Let me go Zainab first. Sorry. Go on, Zainab.
0: So, yes, we lost. Labour lost. And we lost quite badly. So it was a devastating result for us us Labour members, but also, you know, the leadership and the wider Labour movement. How how did it happen? How did we get here? I think that Labour needs to do some deep soul-searching, Because I don't think, you know, people have said it's Jeremy, people have said it was our manifesto, people have said, oh, they just don't like us, or they thought that, you know, we're going to be bad for the the economy, all of these kind of things. Um, People have mentioned, you know, lots of different reasons, and I think that those are all fair points, but I think that the damage that has been done in society led us to this point. You know, people were fed up with politicians, people um, were fed up with being lied to, people were really suffering... And I think that, you know, yeah, I just think that people voted out protest against us. Um, and I think some of the damage that we've come across, some of the damage that's been done to society happened way before, you know, Jeremy and the new leadership took, took hold. So I think lots of people will say that it's the leader, but I think it's more deep-rooted than that. I think it just it comes from decisions that were made a long time ago that affected Labour heartlines you know, way before the leadership, Germany's leadership, came into play. Um, so we've got, a long, we've got a long battle again ahead of us and hopefully we can we can some of our losses, but it's going to be a big fight.
2: OK. And uh, Jenna, what do you think?
0: Um, I agree with um, what Zainab said. But I also feel like um, this was a Brexit election and I, um, like other members of the Labour Party, hyper to lie to ourselves and say that it wasn't. Um, obviously, the messaging behind the stories with Get Brexit Done really works, I believe. And, um, you know, Labour Labour Party, where we focus on, you know, public services, we focus on education, justice, um, amongst other things. And I feel like um, we, sh- we should have continued doing that. But as, well, we should have focused a lot more on Brexit. Um, I think maybe that would have Sway the vote especially in some of the leave seats um which then turns blue so yeah i agree with that i actually agree with that as well i think brexit played a, pl- a big part this election
2: okay yeah um i think i think it did but um from one thing from what i've seen on opinion polls and also like obviously i stayed uh, up for of and like watching the reaction and just reading analysis all over the gap as much as i could take in um, from, and this is actually from um, Labour candidates. A lot of them have cited the fact that when they're speaking to people, um, the leadership, Corbyn, people have seemingly have an issue with him. And even speaking to a couple of my boys and they, them, them speaking to members of other demographics and asking them why, um, what their thoughts are on the election, there, seems, there is seemingly a quite rather large disdain towards Jeremy Corbyn. So, for example, I'm looking at... Um, is right in front of me. Well, it was right in front of me. Let me get up again. Um, um, an opinion poll, and it's saying the main reasons people do not vote Labour. So the first, the most um, significant one was the leadership, forty three percent. Second was Brexit, seventeen mm-hmm. percent, and then third was the economic policies. And when you compare it to twenty seventeen, yeah. leadership was thirty seven percent, Brexit twenty one, yeah. and the policies six percent. So I think obviously Brexit is gonna be maybe a bit more prominent then, cause there was like what a year removed from the actual yeah. vote. But it, yeah. it seems, seemingly, that there, there is an issue clearly with the leadership. When I say an issue, I don't necessarily mean with what he does. I mean people, the voters, or the ones that actually turn up to vote, seem to have an issue with Corbyn. What do you lot think yeah. of that? Um, let's go, um, Jenna. Yeah, go yeah, on, yeah. Matt Zena. Uh, okay. So, um, well,
0: from my own personal views, I feel like it's it's a collective thing. I don't feel like it was it's just the leadership. However. Um, we have to acknowledge what people have said. If we're going to be uh, a great party, if we want to become a party that wins the next general election, we have to um, take these things into consideration. Um, I feel like um, a lot of the branding around the leadership, it has been false, and that has come from the media. I feel like the media really went at him from the time he got elected Um by the membership to be the leader. And this is from, like, 2015. They've always found ways to um, tarnish his image. Mm. Um, However, he hasn't done himself um, any favours by, you know, the way um, anti-Semitism was handled, um, as well as, um, you know... um, other situations like for, for instance Brexit, when people asked him what he starts he's one minute, he one minute he said one thing, another minute he said something else, and then you know it's been a bit touch and go with that. And I feel like people want a leader who is gonna be open about what he what he what they're gonna about their policies and be open about um how they think because Mm. people are tired of politics they don't want a politician to answer anymore people just like just say what you just say what you mean like even if you don't agree with it just say what you mean like you know what i mean and i just feel like that's what we um we should have focused on um and i think maybe that is why people um don't really like the leadership um i also think you know our messaging as well um I was about to say. That paid apart. So sorry, sorry. Um, yes, I think our messaging messaging was also um, an issue. Like I, I and the thing is people say they don't like the leadership, but when you ask them like, Oh, don't why us. don't you like Corbyn? They can't tell you why. Yeah, and I've and that is that the too. power, that's the power of the media. Like if someone came to me and said to me, Oh, this is why I don't like Corbyn, I would be like, Do you know what? i hold my hands up but no one has been able to so tell up. me why You're they fine. don't yeah they can't take it like with me i can articulate why i don't like boris we we've Absolutely. all seen the evidence of things that he has done whereas with corby people say stuff and i'm like okay back it up with evidence and they're unable to that's do it. that for me yeah so that is that's that's my reason anyway what
2: do you so. think so? what do you think so that's,
0: so that's exactly what i was going to say that you know i literally canvassed for the six weeks for our candidate and irith and thames me then i what, what does over. canvass mean for the
2: people who don't know
0: Sorry, canvassing is when you go out and campaign for a particular candidate. So you can kind of advocate on their behalf, and you ask the people people that you're speaking to to vote for them. And you did that for how long? Six weeks. Sorry? You did that for yeah, six weeks. I was out six weeks. Oh, like wow. three to five days. Wow. In the last week, I was out. Full seven days, I got three hours sleep in forty-eight hours. It's a lot, wow. um, you know. But that's how deeply committed I was to Labour's vision, and you know, to really transform our society. But you know, I saw so I was doorstep, on, on the doorstep as well. And personally, I didn't get a lot of people saying, "Oh, I'm not voting for Labour because of Jeremy." Like there were one or two, but that wasn't the predominant reason. But you know, I have you have to pay mind and homage to the fact that lots of people did say leadership. But just to completely echo Jen when you do ask these people why don't you like him it's like they don't know they can't articulate why they don't like him and it is a lot because of media bias against him which happened but also the messaging I don't know if Labour got our messaging right completely this election because actually what we were promising the vision that we had was so revolutionary and would have really changed people's lives you know we we got that messaging right but I don't know if it translated properly to 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 ordinary people on the you know on the that we were knocking on their doors and asking them to vote for us. I don't know if they know just how revolutionary Jeremy's vision was. Um, so, yes, I agree. Some people did like, don't like him. Well, actually, many people clearly, because, you know, it, they, they they use their feet and they use their vote to show it. Um, but, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, in terms don't of, that, of what I, I think. Don't answer the question. S- sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, in terms of what I think, um, yeah, I agree, with some, your, especially both of your points regarding sometimes when you press people to ask whether or not Corbyn. Um, they don't really have an answer that's the power of the media so and I regarding Labour's messaging so I read through all parties manifestos I probably took my time read every single line and I got Labour's messaging seemed very very strong they want to create like almost like like a green revolution and really get jobs for people um, yeah. heavy investment um, a lot of nationalisation all that type absolutely. of stuff absolutely cool. yeah cool Yeah, I have my own thoughts on that I've already said it before with the Conservatives, their messaging was Brexit, 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 Brexit. So what yeah. I think were, could, could have been a mistake was, no, not definitely was a mistake, was this probably wasn't the election because election's all about winning right? at the end of the day, isn't it? Like, it's all mm. feeling good having a great manifesto, but if you don't win, then, no know what I mean? Like, I thought yeah. the best manifesto, they lost the seat. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so, Labour... We need to do... Uh, Sorry, go ahead. So, like, <laughs> Labour's message... Mm. wasn't like it wasn't really strong in terms of what i think what is very important to to the average person like Mm. the whole green revolution is a very new thing for a lot of people in it do you see what i'm saying and Mm. also i think where the media really played a pivotal role is that it will detour from labour's message so whereas with boris and i and and this was one of the few smart things from conservatives like when i watched the first debate literally every single question. You could ask Boris, yo, Messi or Ronaldo, and he'll be like, yo, Brexit. Like, he made sure everything he said was Brexit, 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 Brexit. Yeah, whereas, get
0: Brexit done, that
2: slogan. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, whereas, Corbyn, if you ask him a question, he'll just answer it to the best, but he didn't, there wasn't like a, like a reoccurring theme. And every time he'll talk about something, they will switch mm. it to the smear campaign. Oh, what about anti-Semitism? Oh, what about anti-Semitism? Mm-hmm. What about? Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of smear campaigns on the character. Or and there was yeah. two. And why? I think another thing where the um I wouldn't say the Labour Party. I'll say mm. the Labour supporters. So whether that be just your everyday everyday person, whether that be your blogger, your journalist, um, your podcast, or whatever people of influence, your celebrities was they were hung- hanging up on too many of the wrong things. So like that income tax thing, yeah, okay, cool. That was a very small part of the... There was a lots of stuff that Labour tend to do. Okay, we're going to raise yeah. taxes for those who earn at least 80% of the top 5%. We had debates on that for weeks. And then it was yeah. loads of people... And you can't get hung up on those things. You can't. Yeah, you, yeah. And you don't want to get hung up on raising taxes. That's one thing you do not want to get hung up on. You see, what, you, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And also, I think mm-hmm. the nature of the message... From and this is not this is not exclusive to the Labour Party. This is also seen from what I see in the United States, when you have people from the left. So that's the Dem- in the United States that's the Democrats. A lot of patronising, condescending, and a lot of emotional blackmailing. So if you're if you're thinking of voting Tory, you're this type of person. But
0: I don't. Do you know what? I didn't even see. Do you know? That's, there's a lot of a a the I can, I
2: can literally every day I'll see five, and they have like and those tweets. They're, like, flipping Justin Bieber songs. They do numbers. Do you numbers. see it? Like, numbers. I don't
0: even... I'm not going to gonna try and, like, speak bad about anyone's experience because, they experience, like, Tory, you know, members experience what they experienced. But I personally did not come across that many that were, like, disparaging Tory voters that much. And I think that one of the things that people fail to realise sometimes... And I'm not an advocate advocate for cussing out people just because of who they support what i'm an advocate for is calling people out when they are disparaging you so if for example i came across a tory voter that was like boris johnson is not a racist or he's not a fascist or he's not a misogynist i will call that out
2: that's that's the first, that's that's, that's not me attacking
0: your character that's me attacking your opinion and your your values and what you hold dear to you do you know what i mean so there's a difference you could so the tweets i saw about tory um supporters was they were more about attacking the opinion. Do you know what I mean? Rather than attacking the person behind the opinion,
2: a lot of people say stuff like, "How can you vote for like? If you vote for Tory, that means you're voting for the for the deaths." The, stop. But it.
0: mate, I'm sorry. These policies. No, these no, policies I, I, lead to death. These policies are the policies that lead to rising. I have, to fundamentally, I, I have to
2: fundamentally agree because disagree with that. And let me tell you why. First things first. When it comes to stuff like poverty, stuff like that, there's causes, causations of poverty, right? and a lot okay. of these things are macro a lot of these things are macroeconomic things where politicians don't have that much of a say where politicians do have a say is the people that are already in those scenarios are there adequate safety blankets to stop them get delving even further or be in perpetual state of poverty that's where you could say yo with the, with the with the conservative party with the austerity measures with the universal credit with all some of these a lot of the backdoor cuts they're doing in the social sector and the healthcare sector making it a lot more difficult for people to help people that need help
0: and drives them into poverty those those policies drove people into extreme levels of poverty we didn't have the whole Mm. country and say that these measures are unnecessarily cruel and inhumane for no reason so when you're voting voting Tory you're voting for policies that make things harder for people you're voting for a party who made wind wind happen this, these are the facts, do you know what I mean? Okay, so, see, even, even okay. with
2: the Windrush thing, like, I don't like it when um, Labour, Labour supporters use that, because, only, why? Six, it's oh, fact. because only, six, only six Labour MPs had a gut yeah. to vote against it. So I'm not hearing it. Where yeah. was everybody else?
0: Yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. See, when it comes to stuff like I'm that not with it. the Windrush, I'm a silent. Sorry, I, I, I'm like,
2: I, can't, I can't hear it. There was, at that time, there was over yeah. 200 Labour MPs. So why did the, why the only six true. people vote? That's, that's like 2% of the party.
0: I just wanted to say, but you need to also remember, like, when we are talking about the windrush, it's also because the, the six people who did vote against it, are three of them are actually in the um, shadow cabinet, and yeah. one of them being our leader. So that's why people use that, because they are trying to say, well, yes, it was Labour, but it was Labour under a different leadership, if you know what I mean. Uh, right. to, to, me, to
2: me, that do wash, because if something like that, and you're saying to people, Yo, if you vote for Tories, like, you're, you're, vote, you're basically um, complicit to X, Y, and Z, I'm sorry, you cannot, if you, if you could be whipped, yeah, to not, to not get involved in something as so grave as this, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to well, hear it. That's
0: how the whip system works. There are so many criticisms about it because actually, when it comes to key um, decisions that need to be made, a party can whip you to, to vote against your conscience. And that's when I have an issue with it. Um, But unfortunately, that's the system that we have. And until we get politicians who are willing to, to, you know, go to fight for what they actually truly believe in all the time, then that's just how it's going to be.
2: Yeah, um, I agree. I with disagree
0: that. with that. No, I kind of disagree with that because we've seen in the last parliament how a lot of people have actually voted against their party whips. So yes. I think there, there is ways that you can do it, um, but you just have to that um, understand that. Uh, that but yeah, yeah, and I'm saying, can I finish my point? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it is, however, I just feel like we need to. um, um obviously now I forgot what I was gonna say. But yeah, I feel like with the whipping system, we ca- it should we should be able to um okay that's what I was gonna say, sorry. So yeah with the whipping system we've seen in the last parliament, yeah, that how so many people have um voted against their party. But the only thing is that um I feel like people should be ready for the consequences of doing that. Yeah. Fair. Um and, and the thing is if you are, um, if you keep saying, if you're saying, oh, you were elected by your constituents, you need, you shouldn't, you should really be thinking about them when you're doing stuff. Yeah, if you I agree know, that. Like, I If agree you know that, that, they, that you know, the majority of your um, constituents don't like something, then why are you going to vote in favour of it? I don't get it. I, I agree, agree with that. As MPs as well, we need to MPs need to stop speaking to the members of their parties. When, they, when it comes to big decisions, they need to be speaking to their constituents. Constituents, thank you. It's literally, yeah. going to be them that are voting for you. It's not your members that are going to vote for you. Your members will always vote for you. But it's not them you're trying to win over. It's the constituents. So we need to think, MPs need to do more in talking to their constituents, not just their members. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I agree with that.
2: Well, but yeah, no, okay. Let me move in fresh Yeah, so I feel like... When you have like when you're basically demonising, and a lot of it is demonising, and it's patronising about people that are thinking of all will vote for the Conservatives. Don't get me wrong, I'm of I, I have to do disclaimer because people are, are so dumb. They're like, oh my god, you're saying something that's not demonised Conservative. You must be a Tory. I I have I have not, and I will never be. But if the goal is to win an election, so the so the leader that you have and uh, the cabinet that you have, the policies that you have, you can make a change. You wanna you, surely? It, it's common to me. It's common sense to do things that will aid your cause and not be negative against your cause. So when you are basically ostracising and vilifying people who are considering voting for the opposite party, as people did three years ago with um with what's it called with uh, Brexit, and it's like are people not learning their lessons? Like, and I think that I think that definitely plays some some sort of role. But the messaging, I feel like Labour were definitely handicapped by the smear campaign. But I feel like for a period of time, I genuinely never believed that somebody like Jeremy Corbyn could ever win an election, simply because I do not believe the people of this country are culturally inclined for that type of politics. There's a reason why there's been one um, Labour government since the 19, what, 1976 or something like that? Like, this country <coughs> is is this country, do you see what I'm saying? However, I do believe that... Uh, that I don't believe the Tories are always going to dominate or should always dominate. If I thought that if there's a somewhat more electable candidate, because if you look at what 2010, 2015, 2017, Tories did get the majority, so, so not the country are gagging for Tories. Do you see what I'm saying? But, uh,
0: yeah, what I will say about Jeremy as well is that personally, for me. He has been one of the most principled politicians that I've come across. Yes, agreed. Values when it comes to human rights, values, caring for the working class, and making sure that the people most marginalised in society are cared for, looked after. We, are like you know, there is no one like him in that regard. I mean, there are lots. Of, I agree. In Parliament, that have his values and qualities, but he was really going to be the leader that was going to change things for the people that are really hurt by some of the most harshest Tory policies, right? So I hold my hands up and say that I really believed in him as leader, and I really felt like he was going to be the revolutionary change that we needed, and he was going to lead us to that. It didn't translate. Now we have to do some soul-searching. He said he's not going to be standing in the next election as a leader, so now we have to try and find somebody that's going to bring together all parts of the party and help us move forward. And actually, what we need to be doing is going to our northern heartlands, the places that have been ours, like Dennis Skinner's um, 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 his constituency, we need to go back there, and we need to ask them why, what can we do what haven 't we been doing, and build from there and also we need to pay homage to our baME like diehards that have been rooting for Labour and continue to vote for us um, because I think that they are also missing from the conversation. We don't talk enough about how BAME supporters, Labour supporters, prop up the party and now is the time. We've got great Labour women MPs that are black now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Some new ones, you know, record numbers. So I'm hoping that that conversation can start now and that we can just really move forward to heal this society because 10 years of Tories, that's what is predicted, right? People are predicting that we're going to have 10 more years of Tories. Yeah, because...
2: Yeah, cause the way I can't lie, the way you lot got slapped was was violent. So I don't see. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was very. Like, yeah. so I don't see how you um, that number of seats can switch in by the next parliament. However, luckily, it's Boris and there's Brexit. So that man could botch it so badly that with the right candidate, <laughs> we could be in business. You know what I mean? So every day, we hope and pray. You see it, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, and because really and truly, if if their man win the next election, it's it curtains for the NHS.
0: But do you know what? Do you know what I heard? I saw a tweet, and I cannot remember who I, who tweeted this, but I think it it got quite a few retweets. But this is Labour's time now. We didn't win; we're not in government. But this is our time to really talk to our communities. And one of the things that this tweet was talking about was that actually we need to make sure that we continue to um, to elect loads of um, Labour councillors um, because local government is where we need to be now mm. to really combat some of the harsh policies that are going to come through um, and that's the only way that we can do it in the meantime until the next election yeah so because with the majority communities.
2: with the majority Boris can Boris and them could just can push do through. anything they can, can do, do anything, anything absolutely anything. A big
0: mandate it's mad it's absolutely mad I've cried I've mourned <laughs> It's time to move forward. I mean, we lost some great MPs. Yeah, that, that's what I said. Now
2: has a Tory MP. What is that about? That's awful. I've, so... I've got, I, I, at first I can't lie. I was I was in shock. Then I laughed. Yeah. Then I was like, oh shit, this is actually really bad. Like it is actually really, really bad. Okay, it's so bad. to wrap up here. Yeah. So we we we've covered we've covered how we feel about things, what happened. So what what happens now? What do we think moving forward? So um, we can do it in two parts. We could talk about what we expect from, from the ops, and mm. we could also talk about um, what, as obviously we have two people who are prominent in the Labour Party, what do you think happens from now in the Labour Party? So let's talk about what we think Boris and his, and his, and his squad are, are going to do. <laughs> um,
0: so I feel like um, obviously their main focus um, over the next um, few months is going to be about um, Brexit. Yeah, it's going to be about the withdrawal bill. And um, we've seen what I've seen on, um, on the House of Commons Twitter page that next week they're going to be swearing in um, the new MPs as well as um, um, they're, they're going to try and bring in the withdrawal bill again to try and get it through. Um, so I know that's going to dominate a lot of House of Commons ta- um, time. And there's a lot of other things that they've said, but um, I'm not going to lie, um, I didn't really read their manifesto, so... <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. Um, oh, hi. So, I would absolutely agree with everything that Jenna said. Um, one of the things that's really going to concern me moving forward, so we're to briefly the NHS. Oh, yeah. Really scared for that and fearful for that. I'm scared for immigrants. I mean, they're, so in the Tory Manifesto, they didn't talk about what they're going to do with the immigration detention centers that they have. So, I feel like they're probably going to make them bigger and better. How can you say they're going to
2: make them bigger, bigger and better, and you so. know? I'm not better worse. I, I know what you mean I know yeah. you, like. you mean like it's going to get it's going to get peaked for the matter go on yeah you yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. the Australian style immigration system that's going to be a madness also thinking about you know there was a line in that manifesto that should be about judici- changing the judiciary so we cannot we can no longer hold the government to account You know, there was some really weird and crazy
1: manifesto
0: about that. So, you know, I'm really curious of what they can do. I think, you know, so far in the last 10 years, we have seen that there's been an increase in homelessness, there's been an increase in food banks. That's going to get worse. You know, they did that whole thing about trying to increase... Um, prescription charges because people people and now more people have to pay for it. That's probably going to increase. Yeah. I think that's Best fine. Case. I actually think that's fine. No, no, no. It's not fine for the... No, 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 no. It's fine, it's fine if
2: you've got money to pay for it. Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. Yeah. So when I say that's fine, I think we should start to introduce those type of things. Okay, this is not the podcast to talk about NHS, but I think that we should track things those things. <laughs> but obviously, people who cannot afford it should not pay. But I think... Absolutely. We should introduce but, but go on.
0: Um, and what else? Um, just, it's just going to be shit. our schools. are think, sorry, war, but um, no, no fine. to continue to be like underfunded. You know, no. NHS services are going to continue to be stretched. You know, it's just going to, I don't see anything positive coming out of the
2: Tory government. Do you know what? With yeah, the NHS, and then they also,
0: also want to put something, sorry, they also want to repeal the um, fixed time parliament act. So basically, can, whenever he wants to have a general election, he can just basically call one. It's not gonna—we're um, not gonna have the, um, the what's the word I'm looking for. We're not gonna have the opportunities to use the Fixed Time Parliament Acts as well. Zainab, um, did you mention anything about food banks? Yes. Yeah, increase she... food banks. You did. I think that's. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just remember that. Oh, I think it's going to increase as well. We're going to have more food banks more than ever, um, and it's not just going to be people who are homeless is also going to include working people because um wages haven't risen as much um i think we're also going to see introductions of more zero hour contract jobs yeah Uh, i i think that with that zero hour contract jobs can be good in some circumstances but if majority of the population are going to be in zero hour contract jobs that's that's not good like, like, it's not, it's not, okay,
2: I don't have to push back. I don't mean the majority. Last time it was like nine hundred five. Okay, not the
0: majority. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it will it will increase. But that's not that's not a good thing because why not? zero hour contract jobs. Because if, zero hour contract jobs, they can you can get you can get called to work, and then on, and then the, when you get there, they can just send you away because they have enough staff. They overbook people. That is why. So if we if there's ways that you can do it where people who turn up can actually work and making sure people that are not overbooked then it's fine. If if there's ways that they can bug um, around that Then that's fine But then at the same time It's not it, It's also not a good thing Because um, People are um, You know They don't know How many hours They're actually going to work a week And it fluctuates Remember people have to pay bills People have to um, Live Buy food All of this All of these things And it plays a part
2: Yeah like But with 10. majority, of, Got majority
0: of us We know how many hours We're working And so we can calculate And make sure that We're budgeting When you don't know that It's, it's very difficult to do that
2: yeah, I do agree. that you, you, we, We've all heard the horrors of zero hours contracts, but for, for the vast majority of cases, most people are happy with those zero hours contracts. Most people, work, in fact, work part-time hours, and they tend to be people between the ages of 16 and 24 and full-time education. Obviously, if you're a like in your 20s or your 30s and you've got dependents, that's not the most ideal situation. I don't think it's a perfect type of job contract. I feel like there should be... I think, I think Labour the one who wanted to say, if your shift gets cancelled, you get paid or type of stuff. I thought there should be more protection for people on those yeah, contracts. Yeah, I agree. But I do not think they're necessarily a, as bad thing as people think paying out. I want to push back a bit on the food bank stuff, because r- with food banks, the reason why there's more of them is because literally the trust group, they just have more. It's, like, it's, a, it's, it's a supply-driven thing. It's because of what? Because the, cause there's the reason why, okay, with food banks, while we don't know how many people use them, we only know how many packs they, that, that are given out secondly I don't t- know if
0: that's true, you know, no, no, because you, how, for example, there, there, the food bank in my area, you can, they can tell you how many people have used it. And it's
2: increased. No, no, no. Like they count, how, they, they they count how many packs are given out. They don't count how many people. So if you if you any even if you Google, there's no t- statistic on how many people have used them. It's just how many packs they've given out. One person can take two packs in a period of time. You see what I'm saying? With with um, f- um food banks there's a lot more of them available. So it doesn't mean that people wouldn't have used them in this magnitude in 1995, in 2000, in 2008. There's just a lot more of them available now. So naturally, there's a lot more of them available. My friend used a good example. If there was like a equivalent version for petrol, there's going to be a lot more people using them. Do you see what I'm saying? Regarding to like people's wages and stuff, that is a very, very big issue, a massive issue. People's wages aren't rising that much when you take into account inflation. But when you look at um, the cost of living, it's going up. And that's one thing I did like about Labour's manifesto as well as Liberal Democrats. They were the only real two parties to kind of address that. Obviously, Corbyn wanted to do it via nationalisation because, like, listen, if I can take control of the energy companies, take control of the uh, transportation companies, at least that way we can have a larger control and those elements of pricing, you see what I'm saying? But um, I don't feel like we can, we can really blame conservatives for wages because that's those are macroeconomic things we and also we we've got to remember there was a global economic crisis in 2008 2009 like that's why a lot of the things we see regarding the poverty and all that type of stuff stems from that like the whole world went shut down from 2008 to like 2012 2010 2011 so that's something we got to play a part however the unfortunate thing with the conservatives is that with austerity you just make things 10 times worse 10 times worse, and according to them, they're going to be spending. They basically copied Labour's NHS manifesto, but me personally, I don't believe them. I think they're trying to, you know, kind of usher in a US style system, but obviously, you can't say that because you will never win any form of election in the UK. Um, in terms of if I'm worried about the conservatives, um, I think I am because I'd, I really, I really worry about the average family's cost of living, which both of you mentioned, like, and they have not in their manifesto, which is like about 100 pages or something or 80 something pages, they did not address it at all. They didn't address, okay, what's going to happen? How are we going to really take control of house prices? How are we going to really take control of food prices? How, how are we going to pattern transport? Do you know what I'm saying? How are we going to get people earning more money in an actual efficient way? Like none of that was mentioned. So that's what I worry about. For everyday person and obviously you both, yeah. both of you have mentioned mentioned uh, the history of budget cuts and that's one thing that we have to really look out for as people who are paying attention to politics because they promised to spend yeah. in every department but mm-hmm. we know that okay we don't know but we know that they're not <laughs> you see what I'm saying so, so we've got to make sure and I think especially as an opposition party that's going to have to be screened from the high heavens like every time they're not doing something it has to be drilled in you see what I'm saying and yeah. come next election yeah. time like it's not every day the petty back and forth like like literally kill people with the actual facts yo they said they're going to do this they didn't do this and come next election time hopefully it could be potentially a different um, a different story now with can
0: I just quickly just to come back on the food banks thing um, like you said that they do it by um, parcels which could be true I was just trying to look at the, the stats on the trusts the truss. trust. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I'm looking at it now, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, but one of the things that they do mention is that this has been from the the months. I think their mid-year review, and that was between I don't know what I can't remember what months it doesn't say. Oh, right. um, but I think it's over six months. They talked about the fact that more people has visited have visited. So even if like there's an increase in parcels there, but I think it's. Like we can't even refute the fact, the fact, um, the fact that more people have visited yeah. food banks and that they're in more demand than they ever exactly, had. yeah. It's something that the UN um, the investigators said himself, you know. So that is, yeah, that is that's a cause of concern and it's a worry. And I think it's also again linking back to what you both said about the fact that the cost of living is rising, but the wages aren't rising to match, and it's forcing people to use to use food banks. And, you know, schools have also been talking about the fact that kids are coming to their schools hungry, in a way, in numbers, bigger numbers than they ever have before. So that's irrefutable. We cannot deny that. Um, Which is also
2: scary because Tories haven't really committed on their free school meals. They haven't really committed. True. They're like, yo, like, if you were getting that before, then yeah, yeah, well, we ain't going to take it away. Like, That's not very encouraging. But go on. So no, it doesn't fill me with
0: hope. But to go on to your second question, which was what do we need to do? It goes back to what I was saying earlier and it goes back, up, back to us being in the community and working in the community. So if you are Labour or you know any party on the left, join your party, become a member, see what they're doing, get out on the streets... Go and, you know, volunteer with charities. So I volunteer with quite a few charities um, and organisations like that. Go and do that, because actually we need to start building at grassroots level. And when you're building at grassroots level, you understand in more detail what people are actually going through. And then we can use that to try and drive through policies that will benefit our communities rather than work against us. And I think that's what Labour needs to do next. Go to the Labour heartlands. Go and talk to them. Work in the communities and build from there. I also think think that it's not just about getting people getting people to join a Labour Party. I think it's also um, when we elect the next leader, that leader needs to go around to all the different constituencies and actually speak Absolutely. to the constituents. Yeah. Like they need to ask them, you know, you were a previous Labour voter. Why did you decide to switch? That's what we really need to do. We really need to talk. We need to we need to do more listening than talking. Because at the rallies, I feel like we really had the opportunity there. to to listen to people, but we're we're so used, politicians are so used to talking at people, even us as members, we're so used to talking at people, I feel like it's time you need to listen to them, listen to what their their real issues are, listen to the things that are happening locally, locally. do you know what I mean? It shouldn't just be, you know, okay, um, we think this is happening, we need to find out what's happening in different areas, because the same issues happening in London may not be happening in in the Midlands, you know what I mean? So I feel like we need to do yeah, we need to, the leader needs to re, the leader and you know the membership. We need to go out there and really start speaking to people yeah. and listening, and then you know use that to re, really reflect, and then yeah. use that to kind of rebrand the, the messaging behind Labour, and then use that to create our policy for the next general election. That's honestly what Absolutely. I think we need to do in
2: this Absolutely. in this time.
0: Absolutely.
2: So I agree. Okay, yeah, yeah, man. You don't I can't lie. You lot need to step up again, man. It's not, and I don't think it's um to the to the fault of the people more at the grassroots level. I think leadership really has to have a very very effective plan and one that's actually going to work. Not just not be ideological. You can, obviously politics is ideology, but we have got to be realistic. When I say we, I mean talking about people who don't want these men in charge. So I look forward to seeing what happens. Um, I'm not sure when you lot are switching out your leader and who are the who are the candidates. Um, but yeah, if you get like another like. Somebody who's quite strong on the left as Corbyn is gonna be it's gonna be another episode of Black Mirror. Like man I'm gonna get slapped again. So we... it needs to be someone who's gonna bring people together. It needs to be
0: yes, yes. Yes. every 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 every, every, every
2: faction together. That's who we need. Yeah, yeah. You, yes, man, I agree. you man can't keep beefing in it in house as well, like like oh, half the man there no want yeah, breakfast, half, know, half but... the man them don't. Like do you know what I mean? All that type of stuff, go on? Okay.
0: Can I say something? That's 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 politics for you. Mm. Regardless of um, any party, they, there's always division. However, we, that's that's why, as Zainab said, we need somebody who can bring both sides. Who can listen to both both sides of the um, argument and then try and find a common ground. That is what a leader does, and um, you know. So I think that's what we need to look for. I also feel like in terms of our leads, a leader, we need someone who um isn't, you know, doesn't have a history of being racist, doesn't have a history of being um, sexist or, or you know, um saying, saying hateful things about the LGBT community. We need because these are the communities that are, you know, really having a hard time deciding on who to vote for. So um I think that we also need a leader who, you know, whose history is really yeah,
2: he or she needs to come from a good home because the way they I submit... Come ca- from a good home, I'm done. <laughs> because of, because of the way because the way they submit Corbyn that he didn't really do too much. If you have actual hickey on your CV, ha! Uh, wasn't it even Ed Miliband or even the, they'll get onto him because of the way he ate the sandwich. So. Like, you need to have somebody who's going to be buttoned up. But all, I think also charisma matters so much for, what, for whatever sickening reason. Which yeah, I, that's we, true. We kind of know why. People in the country can relate to Boris Johnson. Scary, but they can. Obviously, certain demographics, we think it's nuts. But unfortunately, with a minority, Like we, charisma plays a massive role. I, I generally believe that Corbyn did a lot better against Theresa May because people absolutely despise Theresa May. Like, they despise her.
0: But, people th- but do you think that... Sorry, just to interject there. Do you not feel like that's also because she was a woman as well? That That's why we did
2: it so much better? I think her being a woman plays a part, but also the type of woman that she okay. that she was. Do you see what I'm saying? People see her more like... like not. She doesn't seem as friendly, warm. Like you know how people are with, with, with sexism. You can't you can't be tough yeah. and seen as a woman. Like People are like, oh, what's, the, what's the meaning of that? Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's weird, but it's what it is. So you're going to need somebody a bit more drippy a bit more charismatic do you know what I mean and then hopefully somebody could bring the party together but ladies thank you for lending me your time on this Saturday hopefully no more crying yeah yeah, yeah
0: we're, done, we're
2: done crying okay cool 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 cool, cool. anyway absolutely
0: no more crying
2: <laughs> thank you both so much for joining me where can we find you or any of the initiatives that you support or any of your podcast blogs whatever like, like, plug away um, Zainab you can go first
0: Okay, um, so on Twitter, I'm Zayzee, at Z-A-Y-Z-E-E-0-0. Um, the, Advocacy, the Advocacy Academy are the group of amazing young people doing social justice. I can't even speak anymore. So <laughs> the Advocacy Academy are the amazing young people that I'm working with doing social justice work. They're phenomenal. Look out for them. I've written a couple of articles um, on Stop and Search and canvassing in the last election and I think oh and I'm also working on Activate you'll hear more about that as, it, as, it, as we launch next year but um, yeah
2: okay wonderful and last but definitely not least Jenna
0: um, yeah so you can find me at Jenna N Davis underscore so that oh well it's too long to well, but it's <laughs> Jenna M. Davis underscore and then you can also find um, the podcast that um, I co-host um, at, at the underscore consensus underscore
2: um so yeah that's that okay and where where can people stream that podcast what platforms is it on
0: oh so it's on spotify it's on apple and it's on
2: soundcloud okay wonderful okay ladies i'll leave you to go and enjoy your weekends jenna thank you for standing in the middle of the o2 to record this podcast i know you're dedicated to the cause (laughs) no I mean it's okay, okay. it's okay okay thank, thank you, for, you thank you both enjoy your thank weekend
0: thank you see you later right. bye. bye hi guys. it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's, G- lit. Lit. it's
2: lit I'm joined it's lit. for like I can't even I don't even know how many times but he must be the most future guest because he's a G um Mr Macrodisiac himself David Bell what are you saying
1: yeah I'm all good mate you.
2: how's things at the Macrodisiac end
1: yeah going really well we've um finished the year really strongly actually with um the last couple of trades that we've we've had. So everyone's a bit, bit happy and they've made some money, um, which is always good. But yeah, overall, no,
2: really, really well. Okay, cool. We'll get into macro that stuff at the end so you can plug your, your great content and that. So um, we had a general election a few days ago. Uh, David, who did you... Did we? No. <laughs> so who did you vote for and why? Uh,
1: naturally, we had to go Tory. Um, so when you say we, who, who's we... <laughs> leave voters okay because so. this wasn't this wasn't a general election this was um this was another referendum okay what you have to what you have to recognize here is that the only two things that people have cared about for the last two years is whether we leave or remain in the eu so forget everything else that was discussed okay this was and this is the problem of what's happened with with the parties now is that people voted to leave the eu okay but only one party and you can say oh yeah we haven't left in the three years that they've been in power but the only one party that is actually offering a valid leave solution is the tories okay so i don't want to hear anything about you know oh but you hate the poor and stuff like that no this was another referendum um labor had no coherent stance on it the lib dems wanted to to remain yeah um and I think, you know, it's it, that's all it came down to in the end. I mean, the Tories' the Tories' line was get Brexit done. That should tell you everything about it.
2: Yeah, I, I agree um, regarding how significant um, Brexit was for this election. Um, unfortunately for the Labour Party, they were a bit wishy-washy on it. Like, they didn't really have a, like a hard line stance. So even when pressed on it, um, Corbyn will start twerking. You know what I'm saying? So... And then again, with the Liberal Democrats, they were very much pro Remain, and they ended up losing a seat. So you see, um, you see the impact of Brexit on this election was. So you think it was smart for the Conservatives to really hammer home um, Brexit um, uh, Brexit as their main policy?
1: Absolutely, because um, it's, it's the only real thing that people cared about. I mean, if you go outside of London, okay you're not going to see people caring about things like uh, railways. You're not going to see people caring about things like um, free broadband and all of these other things. These are very much London and metropolitan-centric views. Um, And what people have really cared about and what is ingrained in their mind, you have to think of the psychology of the country, is and has been for three years Brexit. And if the only outlet for people's anger, let's put it that way, um, is to kind of get it resolved and the only outlet is one party Then they're going to go naturally to that party and labor focusing and not providing enough coherence with their brexit strategy um, In terms of oh, yeah, let's be neutral it's, you can't be neutral when the country's voted a certain way what you're actually saying is that oh, yeah you're still open to this other idea um, which are, the majority of the country didn't vote for, so you create a massive conflict and a massive divide. And you have to remember that a lot, a lot of Labour voted to leave as well. I think it was about thirty percent. So you to some of your own electorate there straight away. Um, and yeah, going back to the, the kind of metropolitan and London centric uh, policy points, you you create a kind of a, a kind of sentiment where all you really do care about and all your bubble is is this is this metropolitan type way of thinking which marxism tends to be you know you can go back in history and say oh yeah but um you can look at the socialist workers party and you can say oh yeah," it's always been about the workers but in reality it's not been about the workers the workers have always been used as a pawn by the political class to maintain a certain amount of power and this is the problem as well is that marxism is actually very much a kind of upper-middle-class, upper-class viewpoint um, because it does rely on that political class to be maintained. And your average Joe is not going to be, you know, politically motivated a lot of the time. Mm. So people have, rec- have recognised that and they voted against it. Um, and, you know, it really is the lesser of two evils in this case, though, because I think the Tories are fucking shit, but I think that the Labour Party, in, you know, in the way that uh, Corbyn had it run... Was even worse um, for the longer term prospects of the country. This was a short term win. Okay, people only cared about Brexit here, um, and I don't think Labour really capitalised on that. Well, they didn't clearly.
2: Yeah. So even if you look, so I want to address a few some a few things you said. So even for example, the Brexit Party, which was just like literally they made it up a couple of days ago, they they got two percent of the total vote share, and that is six hundred thousand votes. To put that in perspective, Conservatives won 13 million. So 600,000 is a very, very significant number. Now think about what that could have done in various constituencies across the country. And mm. if you look at um, the Leave seats, um, which is 410 of them, there's 410 seats that voted Leave. Conservatives won 294 of them. Labour won 106. And compared to Remain, uh, Conservatives won 71, but Labour won 96. So it shows how much of an impact Brexit made and even if you look at um, further data, I, had, I I should say this chart. I saw a chart um yesterday uh, which was Friday um, in the aftermath, and it showed it anal- analyzed the results in strong leave and strong remain so people that really care about brexit, whichever way of, whichever side of the coin. Conservatives yeah. won significantly in both in both assets because I think obviously in strong leave conservatives want to leave, and the strong remain. I feel like people believe that labor weren't really com- were non-committal on the Brexit issue. So I think that was definitely a misstep for the Labour Party. In yeah, terms no, absolutely. Of, so in terms of, you said they are the lesser of two evils. Why do you think that? Because obviously, um, if you look at social media and of the, a lot in the news, um, I'm, I, I definitely... F- despise the conservative party as one person many people do so why do you why do you believe they are the lesser of two evils in your opinion
1: well this is coming from my well there's two sides of the coin that you can look at this there's my personal um kind of politically economic view which is, as we've discussed a load of times before mm. um anything to do with land um needs reforming and the whole tax system needs reforming mm. and the conservative party will not be the party to do that because they're very much um pro status quo let's put it that way
2: yes um
1: um, but also there's the viewpoint you know of yes they they have made cuts over the last um 10 years or so and you know they possibly they probably haven't looked out for the for the people that really need um the country's help very much universal credit admittedly has been a disaster in combination with other things though which have actually taking priority such as central banking policy um and and things like that and and problems with with land um which with those those kind of three things together creates an absolute shit show you know um but you know that's purely why i think is it's kind of the lesser of two evils because if you then go and compare to the labor party see most of the labor party's policies okay they sound really, really good, um, and they sound like they're there for the poorest people. But let's t- let's have a think, okay? Let's say we national- re-nationalize the, the train service. This is one really good example that I always think of. Um, who are the people that use the trains most in the longest journeys? They probably live out in Essex, out in Surrey, and they're traveling into the city or you know the West End or whatever to go to their relatively high-paying jobs, mm. right? So, we're we're asking people to pay more taxes and the tax burden will most probably fall on the working class more, or the lower classes if you want to say it a bit kind of harsher. So they actually end up subsidising the rich. Let's take free tuition, okay? Um, say the richest people can go to university for free, you're essentially subsidising the rich who have more social mobility to then, you know, get a free education and most likely a higher paying job. Because they have better connections after university, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So these policies sound really good on the surface, but they end up, um, actually
2: perpetuating what's happening. Yeah.
1: There's, there's, there's a reason why the pricing mechanism works. Okay. And I, I agree in, in healthcare, for example, I think it should be kind of multi-payer like we have in Germany, I think, um, which, which is universal. Um, But the burden ends up falling on those who can pay it more and not just kind of a generalized, um, not kind of generalized payments from all almost. You know, you're really targeting those that can pay for, you know, the healthcare the most. Um, And the NHS, you know, there's been stories since the 1980s saying it's underfunded. Uh, How much money do you have to put into the NHS where we get to a point and say, oh, yeah, it's no longer underfunded? It's never going to happen. It happened during Blair's period. It was it was still underfunded, apparently, even though Blair threw, you know, a shitload of money into the NHS. It was still underfunded. People were still having gripes with it. Um, And the problem is, is that when you kind of don't have a tangible input into something, when it's just coming out of your taxes, being divvied up by the government and then put into places, you know, it doesn't affect you as much. So you say, oh, yeah, it's underfunded because you don't know where that money's going. So if you put some more accountability onto those that can pay it, it it will work more efficiently. Yeah, Um,
2: yeah, I mean, the German... Go on, go on, on, finish.
1: The German, Swiss, um, Belgian, Dutch, I think the French, I'm not too sure on the French, don't don't quote me on that one. They all have this system and they have much better health outcomes and you don't really hear them complaining a huge amount or using their health services as a political football. Um, It's almost like there's too much legacy built in to people's heads about the NHS yep. um, so it gets them really riled up you know
2: yeah and, it, and as you, that, what you describe as a political football is, the, is such a great word because that's what it is like it's like it's such a, a big thing politically and all these parties I pray they know this they must do if they don't then we're doomed because we are being run by idiots the amount of funding needed to have adequate service in the NHS's current state is simply unaffordable because mm. you can't tax people any more than they can tax it anyway, like um no, exactly. you, you know um you know leway the doctor hes he says that on what people have promised you're gonna need an extra twenty billion on top to get anywhere near what you want to do with this service the, yeah. like what people say people are living longer than ever, um you're having more and more people, so people so actually treating peoples getting more and more complex because they're living longer, so you've got this insane level of demand you've got also similarly insane. Cost of medicine is getting more and more advanced due to the more complex complexities of people's illnesses and whatnot, and you have yeah. finite supply in terms of yet you, know, you only have a certain amount of nurses. You're only have a certain amount of doctors. You're gonna have a certain amount of hospitals. So you can't just have, you, if you don't tackle the demand side problem, you're gonna be stuffed. So that's why I think a multi yeah. system makes sense because it tackles the demand I mean, side problem and funding But go on.
1: There's there's another issue as well with um, the government being so heavily involved in in certain. Aspects um, where you know more, more market based system, I'm not going to say fully market based because that also has massive inefficiencies. Yeah, but things like the government likes an inflated administration um, kind of department in everything. If you look at um, the last 10 years, university admin departments have inflated massively, and I think it was 16 billion pounds was spent on uh, NHS upper management um consultants non-medical consultants so basically pencil pushers people that open and close envelopes and and mark down <clears throat> performance results um if it's failing that much why do we need all of this pe- these people taking more out of it 16 billion pound that's, that's a, a lot of money
2: that's loads of peace
1: you know why are we paying these people who do, who are non-medical and non-emergency staff um to tell us you know how well something's doing surely that money can be allocated elsewhere and this is the issue with government is that they they love bigger sectors where they can they can control things and this isn't a libertarian argument it's just facts look at money look at the the money being used there on, on these things it's just bureaucracy and the less bureaucracy we have the more cash can be can be spent on the actual things that we need and this, it's just a bit ridiculous when I saw that the other day about, I think it's um, uh, PwC, um, KPMG, they have auditors and, and all of these accountants and management consultants from the private sector. And this isn't just the Tory thing, by the way. This has gone on for years now. Um, just doing measuring and, and seeing performance. And it's just bizarre. It doesn't make sense to me. You know, it's almost like they're using it as a tax write-off somehow, even though it's public sector, how a private business would do something. they just hire loads of people just to get their tax bill down or something ridiculous like that. And it just doesn't make sense to me why they're spending this much money on things.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. Okay, so um, I'm going to talk to you, Scott. So obviously we see a lot on social media, in the news, and it's really, especially from like celebrities and big media, or big um uh people loads of like blue tick twitter stuff like if you vote for the Tories, you have voted for the destruction of n h s five hundred thousand children or three million children going to bed hungry every night death the isis all everything so yeah. how do you feel how do you feel about those statements and how much of an impact do you think that has on the election <laughs> results and further elections
1: so I think we have to understand um You have to understand why these celebrities and and people are saying these things. Um, And I read a fantastic piece the other day that that really explained it well to me. And it's because celebrities are so safe in their wealth. Sorry, let me start from the beginning actually. So people don't actually care about income. People only care about income and wealth relative to their peer group. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're a celebrity, you're already very well off, and you probably don't gain that much more happiness from an increase in your income, okay, and th- most of the celebrities we've seen have been talking about voting Labour. Oh, I don't mind paying a little bit extra tax, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So, where they're getting their happiness from is displaying a perceived moralistic belief, um, and trying to trying to be better relative to their peers, and. It's almost like it's so there was an economist called Thornstein Veblen and there's something called Veblen good which means that if the price of it increases um, The demand for it actually increases and it tends to be um, In luxury goods, okay, because it's perceived. it's it's a show of status So what these celebrities have been doing is actually having luxury viewpoints, you know, they know they're not actually going to be affected that much by certain policies however, the happiness Individually, that they gain from showing that they're supporting these policies outweighs any kind of um, any kind of marginal loss that they might face. Mm. And the, the researcher, um, the researcher doing this, actually said that he spoke with a student at Yale, I believe it was, and he, the student was on Tinder. Okay, and um, he, he searched. The student searched in a five-mile radius and noticed that a lot of his, uh, a lot of the girls would be pro-polyamory. Okay, and then he would go out 15 miles onto the outskirts of the city, where you're more likely to have more, or less educated or less elite people, and he noticed that a lot of them would be um, single mothers. Okay. Mm. These slightly more elite people were able to hold these polyamorous views because they wouldn't actually damage them because they were already in part of the elite, okay? However, the, the, the people that were less well-off, say, or less educated or who had less social mobility, if they started adopting these views, it would affect them much, much more. And this is what's happening is that if perceived lower classes start adopting these higher-class views... Um, which in practice would actually affect them but wouldn't affect the upper-class people, that's when you get really dangerous problems. And I think this is what's been happening as well, is that people haven't recognised that that kind of dynamic where those that are well-off are able just to hold these views because, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be affected that much. And it's nothing to do with, oh, yeah, they're going to leave the country. It's because they want to show... A certain status via these views because they don't care about the perceived income loss because it would probably be quite marginal for them. Their happiness is born out of now um, pushing these status views
2: out. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like the impact, even on, and especially we talk about the marginal income. So let's say if you're a footballer and then I don't know, 50, 60, 100 grand a week, of course, the tax increase means you're going get taxed significantly more. But in terms of your and and the funny thing about this argument is okay. Let me start again. So this is the this is this is this is the thing. You're millionaire, multi-millionaire, billionaire, and we're talking about income, yeah. You an increase of income tax, yeah, an increase of income tax band, whatever. Does it affect your money? Yes, but when you look at your take-home pay, the impact is actually marginal compared to people. Let's say if you're earning between sixty grand and one hundred and fifty grand, that increase in taxation that parties like Labour have proposed and other parties and, um, across the world have proposed, is going to impact your standard of living more significantly than somebody earning, let's say, millions. And people, and people use that as an argument for the tax increase. And this is why it's dumb. These are the yeah. same people that argue that, oh, it's fine to increase the tax for people who are earning 80 grand plus because they can afford it and the people earning less than them, it will impact them more. It's the same argument. It's exactly the same argument. The more the more you earn, the less tax increases are going to be as significant for you. You see what I'm saying? So that's why. I, I, so when people are like, yeah, look, oh, Jamie Carragher is split labour and he's a millionaire. Yeah, because the, like, if you talk about just the tax element of voting for the Conservative Party, it's not going to be as significant impact.
1: Exactly, and we have to remember that the burden really doesn't end up falling on on the the richest purely because of this, because people get get their happiness from relative income and not, you know, a nominal amount of income. Um, so who then takes the slack? You know, those who are just kind of just below the, the the middle classes and those in the middle classes. So you get a further middle class squeeze. Look, we've got the highest tax burden in 50 years at 36.7%. Okay, how much more do you want to tax people?
2: And that's with GDP, Right. Well,
1: uh no uh, i'm not sure actually that's a good question i think it might be of of uh total income of an on average income
2: okay but that's saw, a good saw, that's a saw, good I saw, question i saw a number similar to um our But go on yeah
1: uh yeah i'll have to double check that actually it's a good one um it must be of gdp actually yeah I, i'd assume it was um but how much more do you want to tax people you know there are there are Um, various studies, one done by Simon Jankov of the World Bank, and he studied um, I think it was 85 countries, and he found that corporation tax, for example, had had the biggest net negative effects. Higher corporation taxes had the biggest net negative effects on per capita income Mm. out of any other tax, yet people want to tax corporations higher. And the reason the reason kind of those effects come about is because that burden ends up falling on the worker so this is my viewpoint is that we need a total relook at how taxes is kind of levied on everything and obviously you know my viewpoint and that it should purely be on the unimproved value of land um and 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 kind of by what it should be levied on should be based on the elasticity of supply or demand of goods, services, and, and land, really. Um, primarily land, that's it. Because we're gonna get nowhere. We're just gonna see a bounce between Labour, Tory, Labour, Tory, forever. And it's just, you know, something has to change. We, we really need a system where we're focused, we're focused more on how the individual can, can get better. Um, get the reliance off of the state, And be able to actually put capital to risk, Um, because I think that's one issue over the last ten years, and it's why people feel despondent. Is that you know, property prices are so high that yeah, people don't have any capital to put at risk anymore, so they can't make any money. Really, they just have to work and go through the grind and all of this, Um, and and that's why I think the young are so despondent. You know, the the youth vote for Labour is ridiculous. It's not ridiculous in that sense, but the the, the kind of the proportion of youth that that votes Labour um, and Socialist is uh, is is crazy. Yes, um, and I think that that's a high
2: sixty percentage points.
1: Yeah, I think that's just purely born out of kind of a sense of despondency and annoyance at what what has been for the last ten years. Um, and it's not it's not necessarily the Tories' fault, but that's all people have known, so they're voting against it. You know.
2: Okay, to t- um, t- t- talk more to that um, because I was um, when I was discussing with um, with the two uh, lovely ladies who were part of the Labor, um, part of part of the Labour um, party. Um, I was discussing this as well. Like, how much are we actually going to blame just like the state of what happens in this country on the Tory party?
1: Um, it's understandable. Okay, I I totally understand why people blame politicians on on both sides. I do myself for certain things. But then I caveat it with saying, yeah, but you really need to look at the bigger picture. Um, Inequality in the West has blown up massively since central banks started their crazy monetary monetary projects um, from 2009 onwards. And people need to really recognize that this is the real issue. It's, it's got very little to do with politicians. There's been one constant over the last 10 years, and that has been central bank policies. It's not been politicians or anything like that, because politicians in the U.S. have changed. Um, politicians in the U.K. have, well, changed. It's been one party, but, you know, they've had differing opinions and different policies and things. But the one constant that has caused these things has been the, the, the way that central banks have, have acted and until people recognise or want to look more into what central banks are doing and how they affect your everyday life, um, until we get that, then people are just going to keep blaming politicians. Um, and I understand why people might blame the Tories more, because they're more market-based. But really, um, you have to be less myopic, I'd say. And that's that's not to sound, you know, um, I don't know, smarter than you or whatever, but people really have to start looking at what the Bank of England, what the ECB, what the, the Federal Reserve have been and are doing. Possibly one of the best ways to examine it is to look at what the Bank of Japan and, and the effects that they've they've had mm-hmm. on the Japanese economy have been, because they've been undergoing this project for almost double the time that the, the ECB, the BOE, um, and the, the, the Federal Reserve have been doing it. I mean, Japan has no growth. Um, you've got 40% of... 18 to 39-year-olds that are virgins because they just have no hope about wanting to start start a family or look for a partner. You've got massively inflated property prices. You've got the Bank of Japan owning, what, 80% of the exchange-traded fund market over there. That's it's, it's ridiculous, you know. Um, and this is what's coming here it's in the Europe, in Europe especially, and uh, and in the U.S. We're, we're going to go on to another set of central banks fucking
2: everyone okay so um so on the more political side so so what do you think of the people who are like how can you vote for boris with his history of um islamophobia racism not very i think um I should, what am i missing of course um disparaging comments about the lgbt community what do you what, what do you say to people who are like how could you vote for somebody who okay well you vote for the party but how can you vote for a party that has that person as their leader
1: because you know he's a cunt for saying those things totally it's ridiculous but at the same time you have to recognize that this this again goes back to what the first thing that we were speaking about was this wasn't a vote for a party really it was a vote for brexit and that was the only outlet so people don't like people just don't recognize outside of metropolitan areas how strongly people feel about this one issue. They just think it's something that, oh, yeah, we can just ignore them and, oh, they should vote this way. And no, you do not get it. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And I don't give a fuck what people think about what I'm saying here. <laughs> um, you, can, you can, you know, you can call me whatever. Don't care.
2: Okay. Uh, what, 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 you're
1: the, you, they're the ignorant ones.
2: Also, so, okay, now speaking of Brexit, now we've got, um, I also, I think people, people also really didn't like Corbyn um, at all. Um, for whatever reason Corbyn,
1: Corbyn was a Eurosceptic Corbyn was a Eurosceptic his whole Parliament career, he voted against Maastricht, he voted um, uh, Against so many Different things to do with the EU um, In terms of How close we should we should Be to them And then he goes and flip flops right at the crunch Because he wants to stay in power And put his policies in place uh, Sorry mate, no like People are going to see through you
2: yeah, I think it was really telling in, in the debates and in interviews when pressed on, would you campaign, what side do you campaign on if you win? Would you campaign for a main or leave? He wouldn't give an answer. And I think that kind of doesn't really help his case. Okay, so um, let's talk Brexit. So what do you see happening regarding Brexit? Obviously, Boris is saying by the end of January, we're finna be gone. And in the next three years, I'm going to strike some trade deals. Obviously he's got the mandate to kind of push this through Parliament, majority of like what was it, sixty or something, nuts like that? I can't remember the exact numbers. Yeah. But um so what do you anticipate in terms of the whole Brexit process from henceforth?
1: Well, Van der Leyen or whatever her name is, um, yesterday said that she wants and this went against what Barnier was saying, was that she wants a zero tariff um free trade deal with the UK. And that's probably one of the highest people in, you know, the the European Commission saying that. Um you know, you ha- you have to take that as as really with the the path of what the the uh, the EU wants to do in terms of what the path is. Okay, mm. the timeline. Pff, look, how many times have you undershot or overshot a timeline? Yeah. You know, you can say you can say eleven months. Right? Who, know, who knows? Really, mm. it just totally depends on how flexible um, the EU want to be here, and I think they're going to have to be flexible. Because the ECB president, the new one, uh, Christine Lagarde, she's been saying that um, she wants uh, governments to open up spending, basically admitting that the ECB monetary policy has failed. Okay? She, needs to, she needs to boost inflation, so she needs governments to start spending now. And the only government that can start spending, really, is Germany. And you might have seen just last week or the week before that German farmers were already um, protesting the new environmental laws now if she wants to start if she wants the german government to start spending more that's going to put stress on the german taxpayer and the taxpayer of germany is not going to want to fund the rest of the the rest of europe basically because you know they are the biggest superpower in in the eu right now they're not going to want to do that so the eu i think are going to be forced into a situation where they're really gonna have to think shit we need to get this done considering that germany is the biggest um supporter to you know the, the UK out of the Eurozone mm-hmm. uh, out of the EU and the Eurozone sorry um, so they're really going have to have to think carefully about which direction they want to go in here so they've got the foreign side of it in terms of working with the UK and wanting to you know the UK wanting a good deal but they've also got domestic pressure and any kind of tightening fiscally there is going to really wreck Germany and Germany's not going to like that Germany's not going to like that at all. So they're going to have to work something out, purely based on Germany, really.
2: So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Boris and them negotiate. So things could be potentially looking up. So before we wrap wrap up, what do you expect from the Tory government outside of Brexit for the next four to five years?
1: Um, honestly, don't know, mate. Um, I do think that we're going to face... Some 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 really difficult times over the next two or three years in terms of the global economy because mm. that's already slipping. Um, honestly, don't know. It's, it's going. We've seen that they they're willing to spend a lot more. The spending in twenty nineteen increase has been absolutely massive. If mm. no one's picked up on that, then you're fucking stupid, <laughs> and you should really really pick up. A book or something, and recognise these data points
2: because saying that austerity
1: is still going is absolute
2: nonsense. No, 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 no. no. That's, that's that's been done. Like those, yeah, those, who like listen just, to, those who listen to my austerity, um, not my austerity, my uh, autumn, what's it, what they call the thing, autumn budget on them type, um, podcasts? podcast no. And especially if, if you look at their manifesto, like I've been telling people, I've been arguing people all, all throughout this week about NHS. They've committed to spending literally identical numbers as other parties. In terms of NHS, they've they've committed yeah. to spending a lot. This is this is even like raw conservatism. They're, they're actually trying to trying to blow the bag. So we'll see if they do it. But yeah, go on. Continue.
1: Yeah, but even from even from the end of twenty eighteen, they increased spending massively. Yeah, like it's, it's shot up hugely. Um, so I think we're actually going to see a reversal with interest rates um, because inflation ex- expectations are going to increase based mm. off of. Um, this this increase in, in government spending, and I think the Bank of England will actually end up being one of the first central banks to raise rates. I think there's there's definitely that in the in the in the pipeline, which could have some effect on the housing market. But conversely, um, it could be seen as a relative positive um, because we're actually able to raise rates. If America were to raise rates right now, it would cause absolute mayhem because mm. people are so scared of higher interest rates. But here. I think we've we've got a chance to do it if, infl- if if inflation does pick up
2: okay cool um so to before you leave us um you have a podcast you have a written newsletter um you're on Instagram you're on Twitter where can we find your work and plug just basically plug away
1: yeah so on macrodisiac.com um that is where you can find out how to subscribe on YouTube it is Macrodesia podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's, it's the same. Macro, just, just type in Macrodesia, basically. You can find me everywhere.
2: Okay, fantastic. Okay, well, David, I'm going to leave you to enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you nice for, for being on again. It's yeah, cheers a for having it, It's always a pleasure. And yeah, thank you. Take it easy, bro. Cheers, mate. All right, peace.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.